0: So we're on part 19. Yeah. Uh, of the power of the tongue. Today I want to talk about talking about God's wonders. Just talking about Him. To me, this is one of the purest forms of worship. This is easy. The music, and, and I, I have nothing against music and performance as well, and tying that into worship and lighting. All those things are wonderful because God's the one who created sound. God's the one who created light and so and created rhythm and all these things. So as those all come together, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with letting that grip your heart and go deeper. It's, it's wonderful. Like, more power to it. It's awesome, as long as we're glorifying God and keeping focused on Him. But to me, one of the purest forms of worship is when you're simply sitting with someone telling God's stories, I call it. Telling God encounters. Telling, telling about the wonders he's done in your life. You know, the Israelites were told to remember what had happened and to write it down and to tell it to their children. And they had, they had all these feasts throughout the year and all these festivals and all of them pointed to a different thing that God did. And so it was a time where the family got together to to do this um, uh, festival, if you will. But every time it was tied into one of the stories saying, remember what I did. And so there's something so powerful about these tongues being used to talk about God's wonders, to talk about what he's done in your life. I didn't pray, did I? Let's pray. Lord, um. We love you. You are amazing. You are beautiful. There is no one like you. And we want to boast about you today. We just want to talk about you and your wonders and your might. And we want to hear fresh words from you today. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. So, um, let's see. We did... We did like three weeks talking about freshly spoken words of God, his, his written word, but that it, his written word can't even come alive unless it's a freshly spoken word to you, unless he reveals it to your heart. And, and then I talked three weeks about some abuses of hearing God's voice um, and how we, can, we learn to be careful the way we talk about it, right? And don't speak in absolutes. Don't make absolute claims that you heard God's voice nuance it with, I believe he spoke this or that to me. Just just nuance it so that there's not abuses, because if you say you heard God's voice, no one can argue with you because you heard God's voice. But if you if you nuance it, you can leave yourself open to correction from others and say, you know, that might have been your own desire, or let's test that spirit and see if that is actually from God. Um, but today, I'm coming back to, I, I can't get away from this thing. It's just still burning in my heart. I was supposed to go on, in my notes to the next subject, Um, but it was still burning in my heart this beautiful concept of God's written word and His freshly spoken word coming together and that we just cannot even comprehend Scripture, we cannot comprehend His voice unless the Father reveals it to our hearts. I'm just so intrigued by this mystery that God has indeed given you and I free will. And yet, at the same time, we can't even respond to him unless it's revealed to our heart. And so, I'm just so intrigued by this. And in the midst of that, we have to remember James four, six through seven. Says this, and he's quoting from the uh, f- yeah it disappeared. He's quoting from the Old Testament here, but James says, "But he gives more grace." Therefore, it says, "God opposes the proud." but gives grace to the humble. I would submit to you guys that the the way that we hear those fresh words from God is an ongoing life of humility. And you find time and time again, for those who are unsaved and seem to respond to the gospel, they are more humble in their approach to life. They're more humble and open in their approach to hearing truth. So humility is part of what opens up our heart to actually hear what the Father is saying to us. Uh, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Next one. In verse nine or 10, he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So humility is how we receive that freshly spoken word from God. So I'm just going to share, I'm going to share one uh, long passage of scripture about some freshly spoken words from God. But first, I'm going to start off just sharing some of my own stories of fresh encounters. And I shared that last week how sometimes you can know something's a sin or you can be struggling with something for such a long time and it, it doesn't seem to break, you're, you're striving, you're, you're getting prayer, and it just has such a grip on your life, all that it takes is one fresh word from God, or a fresh encounter, and something that you've struggled with for so long can just break in an instant, Can break in an instant, it's amazing, I shared last week about how I struggled with fear for I don't know, seven years. I just was always afraid to be myself, afraid to be in the dark. And I share with you how God set me free from that in a second, even though I'd strived for it for seven years, even though I was his child all that time and striving and, and humble and asking for help, asking for prayer. But one fresh word from God, one fresh encounter, it broke. Now, I, I say that to pick up where we left off. That fear began to come back into my life. So that was around... 16 or 17 when it broke off, um, that, and I think I had it since I was 12 or 11, just this horrible demonic fear, and, uh, and it broke off that time, sure enough, with that fresh encounter up in the hills at night, and, um, and then I began to notice it just slowly came back into my life, and I remember, like, after a year, I just sat there one time and thought, how did that come back, and I was impressed upon by the Lord that I had allowed it to come back by seeing it come back and instead of reaching out in humility and asking for help and getting prayer, that I had just slowly begun to be okay with it being there again. But sure enough, it came back into my life, and the same fear that I had before, if not maybe increased. And I shared last week about um, my pride, how I knew I was prideful. Um, From the time I was young, I just carried so much pride and looked down on others in their Christian walk because, in, in my opinion, I had a great Christian walk. I did a lot of good disciplines. But what happened was I puffed myself up. Instead of giving glory to God, the author and finisher of my faith, the one who's producing those disciplines in me, instead of giving glory to Him, it was like I'd look at other people like, what's wrong with them? Why can't they do what I'm doing? Why can't they pray for five hours? I can pray for five hours. It was all this comparison thing, and I saw this pride, but I knew it was there. And I remember I was 16 years old, it was on my birthday actually, but I was at a conference for three or four days with thousands of people, and you know I've I've shared with you here, like don't give negative words to people, Um, it it could be for a certain time and setting, but even today we're going to prophesy some, I encourage you not to give negative words, if you feel like you get a negative word for someone, write it down and pray about it, and talk to someone else and say, hey, should I share this word, or do you think I'm, I'm hearing from the wrong spirit, or is it just something private for me to share? or private for me to pray about. Um, but anyways, that being said, I was at this conference, and four different people, from four different areas of thousands of people at four different times uh, over these four days, I'd be getting a prophecy from someone, and they said, God says you have a lot of pride in your life. And he just, it, it's got to break. you got to seek for it to break. And I was like, yep, yeah, it's true. I see it. I've, I've known it's there. I don't know how to break it. I, I can look over all the scripture. I can, I can look at these things and say, oh, yes, all of it's from God, and he's the author and finisher. But it was like it wasn't computing in my brain. That pride still remained. And by the fourth person who gave the exact same word, you know, three days later or whatever at the conference, they said the same thing. God says you have a lot of pride. And I was like, I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to break it. I recognize it's there. And it was something that I continued to carry, continued to ask prayer for because I got those fresh words from the Lord, I believe, that were saying, keep seeking for it to break. And I just kept seeking, kept seeking. God, you've got to break this thing off of me. Uh, so, anyways, that's the precourse of this encounter that I had with God. Um, so the fear had come back in and that pride had still been there. Uh, I think uh, I must have been about 19 or 20, because I just started working as a respiratory therapist down in Bakersfield. I was coming home from camp. Oh, I think we left at like 9 at night, Uh, me and this girl, Courtney. We left because we both had to work in the morning. So I was going to drive her to her house, drop her off, and then I was going to go to Bakersfield, um, to the apartment down there, and work, I don't know, the next night or something. And so we're driving home, and we just began talking about God just began talking of his wonders talking about everything we'd seen up at camp every oh man remember that person they oh my gosh they've just been so rebellious against God and here they are weeping at the altar and they get up and repent of sins in front of everyone like intense sins that were hidden sins repented of them in front of everyone oh remember that person and that demon cast out and oh oh, remember this person uh you know, shaking and rolling and all that stuff, that's fine, perfectly fine. But I'm looking for the fruit of it, what's, what's come out of it. But we're just sharing stories of what God has done in our own lives and what we've seen him do in others' lives. And we're just going on and on, just sharing. And I'm sharing about things back when I was seven years old and the uh, wild move of God that that came through this church where seven to ten-year-olds were taking up two prayer rooms crying out, screaming for the presence of God, praying for the lost, weeping in tears. And the adults had one prayer room over there because the, other, the kids were too loud for them. That, that went on for you know, three or four months, just kind of this outpouring that was totally God-breathed. You can't recreate that. You can't just like stir that up. Uh, but anyways, we're just, we're just talking about the wonders of God. And we talk for a whole three hours until we get to Walker Pass. We're still just talking about him. And, oh, yeah, he set me free from this sin or that sin. Oh, yeah, this this one friend. And just sharing stories. And already his presence is coming into the car. And like I said before, to me, it's one of the purest forms of worship. Because there's not the music driving you. There's not the lighting. There's not the wonderful melodies. It's simply, I'm in love with what God does. And I'm just talking about it. And, it, and and I've likened it to, like, because this is happened a lot of times with me and Daniel. We'll be three hours into just talking about the presence of God. And it's like the angels and Jesus are just leaning in. Like, what are we talking about here? I like this. Um, that's how I picture it. But anyways, we're driving, and I'm already feeling the presence of God. We come up to Walker Pass. And I think I've only shared this story once before, so it's okay that I'm sharing it again. And I think it was back then, so many years. We come up to Walker Pass, and as soon as we crested the the mountain, I can't describe it any other way, except it felt like a physical cloud came into the car. It didn't get blurry or foggy, and this isn't something that's ever happened to me before or since, but it felt like a physical cloud came into the car, and I remember breathing and it felt like moisture and cloud was like coming into my lungs. You guys know kind of what that feels like. If it's like super foggy or something, you can breathe it in. But it just came into the car, but it felt like I was breathing in the very presence of God. And oh my goodness, I began to tremble as I'm driving. And, and I said, did you feel that? And she said, yeah, it feels like a cloud came into the car. I said, yeah. And then we were quiet for about 10 minutes as I was just trembling. And for the first time in my life, I began to understand the fear of the Lord. I was so terrified of his presence. It was so strong. Not, not that he's mean, but just that his presence was so strong. I thought physically, I wasn't afraid of death. I thought it was going to kill me. But I was afraid because... he's beyond anything I can comprehend. And I felt like he's there in the car with me. And it just felt like I'm going to die. I'm going to die a, a slow, terrible death of his presence just burning me. Like, and I remember I wanted to talk to him. His presence felt so near. I've always longed to be near him. And I wanted to talk to him, but I couldn't bring myself to talk because I just thought I'll ruin the perfection of his presence with my human words. He's so perfect, he's so holy, and I just couldn't bring myself to talk. Finally, after about 10 minutes, I mustered up a word, holy, 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 and I trembled and trembled. I must have just said holy over and over for almost 10 minutes, just holy, holy, holy. I I can't think of anything else to say, but holy, 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 and um, this continued on, the whole drive back to Lake Isabella, and I dropped her off. And when I got in the car alone by myself and I'm driving, suddenly I was like, I'm alone in the car with God. <laughs> and I was terrified. Like I said, I've, I've, I've always wondered, what, you know, the fear of the Lord. And we know there's nuance to that word. There's awe and respect. Those are important. And as I've shared before, anyone who's not a believer, we should fear the Lord. Because he will dish out the punishment. Because he's a just and loving God. He cannot be loving if he's not just. And so we should fear him. But the place to go when you fear him is straight into his arms. Because in his arms, there is, no, there is none of that fear, the fear of punishment. We've been reconciled to God. So as we fear him, we run to him. But here I was, it was simply a fear of the intensity of the presence of God. I've never experienced anything like it before or after. And I'm alone in my car driving. And I'm just like, I'm terrified. I'm trembling and shaking. And suddenly, I just, in my mind, I have a picture of him. Like, what if Jesus decides to show up in the car next to me? And I'm just like, ah. I, uh, and I'm like, I want to tell him, please don't do that. Because I'm terrified right now. And <laughs> I, used, I, I, still, I used to do this back then, but I still do it today. When I drive by myself, I'll clear the seat next to me. And I put my hand out like this, and I just say, Lord, just hold my hand as we drive. I just want to be with you. And I just imagine him being there with me, holding my hand as we drive. Well, anyways, that was popping back into my memory, and I was just like, Like, "Uh, I can't. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm sitting there thinking I need to tell him, please don't show up in the car because I feel like he's going to, and I'll die. Um, And finally, I mustered up the courage to talk to him, and I said, you want to show up in the car next to me do it your will be done not mine i've always longed for more of your presence i don't want this to stop i'm terrified of you i've never experienced anything like this but i do not want it to stop and i will not ask that as much as that terrifies me anyways the story ends with me shaking myself to sleep in my bed and imagining what if i hear his footsteps coming up the stairs I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hiding in the corner of the room, just terrified of the holy presence of the Most High. And um, anyways, I wake up in the morning, and already doubts begin to come into my mind. Was, was that just an emotional experience? And I'm like, no, of course not. That was, that was authentic. That was real. But already these doubts started to come in. And then I'm sitting there, and I thought, test the Spirit's. Test the spirits. Was this an emotional experience? Was this God? Was this demonic? Test the spirits. So I said, okay, God, what changed? What's different? If this was a real encounter with the Most High, did something change in me? And I don't know how to explain it any other way, but it was like a mental check of my soul or spirit was heightened, and I just realized it dawned on me. My pride is gone, and my fear that I let come back into my life, is gone. A fresh encounter from God, it was gone in a second. And I remember doing the mental check and thinking, it's not there. How is that possible? It's not there. It's something I... It was like part of my DNA got rewritten. I have struggled with that pride forever. Couldn't rewrite it myself. I tried. I prayed. I, I sought. I tried to humble myself myself it wouldn't rewrite. It was like he took my DNA, my very wiring of how my brain works, and rewrote it, and suddenly the fear and the pride were gone, and I didn't do anything except be in the presence of God, and I remember the first time that fear came back in. I was right in that room late at night. I was here praying, and I went into the room to set the alarm, and this is just how I describe it. It felt as though a strong demonic presence just showed up right behind me like I could sense there's someone in the room with me. And at first I like jumped because it was so intense how it came. And then I sat and I'm feeling this demonic fear and I I started laughing and I said, I felt the fear of the Lord. He's so much scarier than this. (laughs) And when that happened, it left the demonic fear left, and, and it has never touched me to this day. That's been um, 11 years now. But the fear of the Lord cures us. It's the beginning of wisdom, yeah? The, wisdom. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's go into this story with the um, disciples. So, uh, Luke 24, 13. So, Jesus has died He's risen from the dead. They all should have known this was going to happen. Go and read the Gospels for yourself. He told them straight up exactly what was going to happen. Peter rebuked him for saying it. He said, oh, don't you even talk like that, Jesus. And he said, remember, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. So he's risen from the dead. That very day, two of them, one of them was Peter, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Next. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So he disguised himself. I don't know if he just blinded their eyes or what, but they didn't even recognize that it was Jesus, this man that they've been with for three and a half years of ministry. Next. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Next. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Next. A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, because God and all the pe- people, uh, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, hold it right there, and crucified him. This is interesting. This is two of the disciples that have been with him. One of them, I'm pretty sure, is is Peter. um, In looking over it, I think it's Peter. He's just not described as being there. Um, But these are disciples who had proclaimed, you are the son of the most high God. In fact, he questioned them once, and he said, who are people saying I am? And you remember what they responded Some say you're a prophet. Some say Elijah. Some say John the Baptist, come back from dead. And he said, who do you say I am? And Peter responded, you're the Christ, the Son of the Most High God. Look what happens. He dies, and they said, it was a man who was a mighty prophet. A, a prophet, mighty in deed and word. Suddenly, he's no longer the Son of God to them. He's just a prophet. And crucified him. Next. But we hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. So, part of the story when the when the two women come back and report all of it, they're just like, "Whatever." (laughs) Basically, they're like, "Yeah, I that seems fanciful to me. I, I don't really believe that that you've seen these angels and that they've said that he's risen." Jesus then says to them, "O foolish ones!" And he still doesn't reveal himself to them. "O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken." So again, if we don't have a freshly spoken word from God to reveal what the prophets have spoken, you won't see Jesus in the Old Testament. You'll be blinded from it. I've been amazed. You've you've heard about Isaiah 53. If you read Isaiah 53, it is impossible for me not to see Jesus on every single word of Isaiah 53. And I've heard stories going both ways where someone will share this, a, a Jewish believer in Jesus will share it with a fellow Jew who does not believe in Jesus, he'll share that verse with them. And I've heard stories both ways. One of them says, I don't see how that's Jesus. And another one says, oh my gosh, that's clearly Jesus. And they repent and give their life to Jesus as the Messiah. What happened? What's the difference? I don't know. But one of them, the Father in heaven, revealed it to their heart. And one of them, it wasn't revealed. I know he still gave us a free will. But this just fascinates me, that if the Holy Spirit and the Father don't reveal it to your heart, you can't see it. And so he's saying to them, you guys are blind, slow slow of heart to believe all the things that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them. In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Oh, what a conversation to watch one day. To watch Jesus himself show every area in the Old Testament that he has revealed. I, would, I, I used to say, oh, I'd love to hear this conversation. I still hold to that. I'd love to see it. But I would propose to you guys that this conversation is the writings of the New Testament. That it is found all throughout the writings of the New Testament. If you read all the Gospels, you will see them interpreting. Jesus did this and this to fulfill what the prophet said thus and such. Where did they learn that information from? From this conversation with Jesus. He revealed to them everywhere in the Old Testament. And that's why he said, you know, you're going to be my ambassadors, my spokesman. I'm going to remind you of everything I've told you. So that they could establish uh, the, the founding of his church, his, his body. And so all throughout the New Testament, as you see other writings, often it's just reiterations of things that Jesus said. But they are, and, and they're constantly quoting the Old Testament. They're constantly quoting the Old Testament. Every time you say, see, as it was written or as, as it was spoken by God, And they, they're just quoting the Old Testament constantly. And that was the revelation that Jesus gave them in this conversation about who he was. And my computer's frozen. I don't like that. So, that's fine. Uh, uh, next. As they were talking about these things. So, uh, basically, from that encounter, he he departs from them. And, um, oh, no, no. From that encounter, he's going to depart. And the two of them say, wait, it's already, it, it's already this time of the day and you're hungry. Like, come in and, and eat with us. Because they're having so much fun talking about it. And when he gathers with them, and he breaks the bread. Their eyes are opened, and they see that it's Jesus, and then he disappears from their midst. So now they're, they've come, they run all the way back to Jerusalem. That was like a, a, like a seven-mile hike. So they had done this seven-mile hike with Jesus talking to him. They get to their place. The verse is Luke 24. Just read Luke 24. Uh, they get to, to uh, Aramaeus, I think it is, And then they encounter Jesus, and they're like, we got to tell the others. They run back the seven miles to Jerusalem (laughs) because they're so excited. And they get there around uh, mealtime at night, and as they're talking about all these things, so these two are sharing, oh, yeah, we did see him. Jesus himself stood among them. So he just, boom, appears among them. Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Next. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, so they're still like, I can't believe it. This this is not possible. But they still have joy, but they're just like, "It's, it's not possible. So then he says, Do you have anything to eat? He just wants to show them, I'm human, I'm alive. Like, let me eat something in front of you too and show you. Next. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. How'd he do that? <laughs> He's God. <laughs> he just opened their minds. This is where Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, very studied new scripture inside and out. That's why he was wonderful at debating. Once, once he became a follower of Jesus, he would debate in synagogues and show them through scripture. But he had all that scripture before. But when, when Jesus revealed himself to him, his mind was opened. Suddenly he could look at all the scripture and say, this is Jesus being spoken of. And he could debate it brilliantly and would win over many people through debating them in synagogues and showing them in scripture, this is Jesus foretold for you. And so in this moment, Jesus opens their minds. Suddenly they understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And behold, we'll just finish it up, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. That was the Holy Spirit that he's sending. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So they had these fresh words from the Father. Before these fresh words in the opening of their minds... Were they ready to transform Jerusalem? Were they ready to transform the world? Write the New Testament? Not even close. (laughs) They were scared. They were terrified. They've been hiding from from the the religious rulers. They're terrified. The one they thought was the Messiah just died. They're terrified. He reveals it to their minds. They get this fresh word and this fresh spirit coming inside of them. Suddenly, they're fearless. Some of their first accounts is Peter and uh, James, I think it is, being beaten, and they leave rejoicing over it. And then they tell them, be quiet, don't talk about this Jesus anymore. And their very next prayer is, give us power to share your name even more. Loosen our tongues like we want to share about you. So a fresh word from God transformed all their fear, all their struggles. We saw all their struggles for the three and a half years. They couldn't comprehend. They couldn't learn the lesson time and time again. He tried to reveal something to them, and it constantly he's just rebuking them. Where's your faith? Why are you afraid in this storm? Jesus is with you. Like, I'm literally here, and you're afraid that you're going to die in this storm. So he's just constantly challenging them, and they didn't get it for three and a half years. Suddenly, A fresh word from God. They got it. And so that's my proposal to us today. We need a fresh word from God in in all of our lives. We need His freshly spoken word as we continue to serve Him and love Him. Listen, if, if I don't feel a fresh word from God or feel His presence the rest of my life, so be it. I will worship, love, and obey Him with all my heart. When the purpose of an encounter is in your brain to confirm he loves you, you're missing the purpose. Every encounter, every, every ongoing fresh word from God is to transform me into the image of Jesus. His love has already been affirmed for me on the cross. It's done. His love is affirmed. His love is affirmed in his, in his written word. The reason I want fresh encounters with God is so I can surrender more to him. I want to hear his fresh, beautiful rebuke. I want to hear that fresh, beautiful um, spoken word that uh, helps me to understand something that was already there. I knew I wasn't supposed to be prideful. I knew I wasn't supposed to be fearful. I needed a fresh encounter with God. And suddenly, what was already written became real to me because of an encounter with God. I love to encounter his presence. I love to be with him. I love to hear his freshly spoken words. So here's what we're going to do. This will be interesting. Um, This side of the room is the ministry team today. This side of the room is the ministers. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ministees. There you go. This whole side of the room, your job today is to prophesy one word or one sentence to someone. If you are like, I can't do this, I'm not going to get anything, you can lay your hand on them and pray for them. Or you can tell them, your hair looks lovely today. <laughs> that No, that's perfectly fine. Or God says you're beautiful. You can't go wrong with that. It's true. Uh, but what we're going to ask is that you guys are going to form a prophecy tunnel starting from about Hank. So go ahead and start that. So you, you guys, or you guys in the front, come up to about here. Go ahead, come on. <laughs> and then it will start at about Hank. You guys will be there. So your job is going to be be asking the Lord, give me one word for this person coming through the line. Give me one word or one sentence. It can't be more than that. If it is, it wasn't from God. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> if it was longer than that, hold your tongue. Write it down if you have to. Um, because we have to keep the line moving. So, you're asking the Lord, give me one word for this person, one sentence. It could be the word flower. It could be the word beautiful. Don't, Don't despise what you think might be a small word, okay? That's what I'm encouraging you guys, because you don't know. If he gives you the word iris, like an iris flower, you might think, well, that's silly or whatever, but it might really mean something to the person you're talking to. Hey, what are the rest of the people doing? Oh, yeah, um... Form, form line right here. Like, it'll come down like this and go through. I need you standing right here. Yep. You two, what, what are you doing? Come up this way. You don't, you don't have to prophesy to anyone. You can place your hand on them and pray for them. That's all you have to do. Okay, so it can't be a paragraph that you're saying to this person, okay? You're asking God specifically, give me one word or a sentence. Two sentences. We'll allow that. Um, but that's our job. We're just going to prophesy to the rest of you. And so you guys are going to start back there, and you're going to come this way, and you're going to come through. And if we can get some music going, that would be awesome. And then actually, you two are part of the ministry team today. We don't need the recording anymore, aren't we? So as soon as you get the music uh, set just quietly, then you two, we need you in this, in this too. And the rest of you... Start coming on through and prophesy to them. We've got about uh, 10 minutes. So you're going to move, for those of you coming through, you're going to move at about a pace like so. Move about this fast. If somebody taps your shoulder and speaks a word, you're just going to whisper it into their ear. Okay, you guys, you're going to whisper it into their ear and then keep on moving through. As soon as somebody's given you that sentence or word, keep moving through. If they don't give you anything, that's fine. They're just going to place their hand on your head or shoulder And pray for you as you're going through silently. All right? Let's go. Enjoy.